Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Last night's DNC holiday party, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi praised President Biden and said he was the, quote, perfect president for the times because the times are also very unpopular. <laughs> well, that was a fairly simple joke, but effective. I thought it was Chugi. Chugi? Chugi, I believe, is the, uh, the What is it, Alex? Term. Chugi or Chugi? It's Chugi. Okay. And that joke wasn't Chugi because Chu- I don't even remember what Chugi means. Oh, <laughs> Lord. Late it's like I'm working with Joe Biden. Chugi, but... <laughs> I was, I was going to become more hip, but it hasn't worked. Listen, Barr, you got a gun in for something wrong. Or <laughs> what did he say? Get ready, pal. You're going to enter a problem. But I'm going to wrap this chain around your head. Get ready, Bell. You're gonna in for a problem. Get ready, Bell. You're gonna in for a problem. Some guy <laughs> says that to me in a bar. I'm like, what now? <laughs> I got my fists balled up. I'm like, Did, I'm looking behind me. Is bar behind? Who? What? What now? That's Joseph R. Biden. He has a set of issues. Here I give you California's Adam Schiff. They were paramountly concerned about foreign interference in American affairs. They wanted to ensure that the President of the United States was defending the interests of national security of the United States and not corruptly, secretly advancing some private agenda with a foreign power. It's hard to imagine a set of circumstances that would have alarmed the founders more than what's on that call. It's, uh, oh, 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 do do the one about uh, you got a secret witness that's classified and only you've seen the testimony that proves Trump's tied to Putin. Do that one. That's a good one. Adam Schiff. Sean Div- Davis writes in The Federalist. Oops, he did it again. Uh, d- mm, take two. I'm as bad as Biden. You know what my problem is? These new protein bars, they're so good. So good. But the, the primary uh, ingredient is like dates. The, the fruit. Or the, what is it? Fruit? I guess dates. Uh-huh. Is it a berry? Is it a legume? Anyway, but it leaves bits of date in your mouth, and it it makes it hard to talk. And I don't want to give these up because they're they're good. But that's too bad. Your new teeth look real. Thank you, thank you very much. Um, I need to uh, swish. I need to swish out my mouth after I eat them. Right, Michael? Wouldn't that be good? Nah, that's what I got to do. A rinse. Sorry. Yeah, that would be good. You yeah, need a, you know, dental hygienist there at all times. You know, like I'm uh, rinsing my teeth after I brush them. Anyway, take two. Oops, he did it again. After leaking fake Donald Trump Jr. emails, fabricating the transcript of the 2019 phone call between President Trump and Ukraine's president. You remember that? How he edited it and changed some words? And lying about his interactions with the so-called whistleblower behind the House Democrats' first impeachment of Trump. Adam Schiff is now running the same con against a fellow lawmaker. During a hearing Monday night on the riot at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, Adam Schiff claimed to have proof that a member of Congress texted former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows to instruct former Veep Mike Pence to overturn the 2020 presidential election. So again, he claimed to have proof that a congressman texted Mark Meadows demanding that Mike Pence overturn the election. 
Not only did Schiff misrepresent the substance of the text message and its source, he even doctored the section of the text message which he carefully removed out of context. And he's the chair of the House Intelligence Committee. Yeah, I know. I know. It's scary. So I just want to display a few of the messages Mark Meadows received from people in Congress, Schiff said. The committee is not naming these lawmakers at this time as our investigation is ongoing. If we could cue the first graphic. Well, the graphic reads, on January 6th, 2021, VP Mike Pence, President of the United States, quote, should call out all electoral votes that he believes are unconstitutional as no electoral votes at all. You can see why this is so critical to ask Mr. Meadows about. About a lawmaker suggesting that the former vice president simply throw out the votes that he unilaterally deems unconstitutional, subvert the will of the American people, etc., etc. Not only did Schiff lie about the substance of the text message and its source, um, he doctored the message in the graphic, the full text message, which was forwarded to Meadows from Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio, who's come out and said, you don't need to keep me anonymous. This is from me. And this is a load <laughs> of crap. He, it was forwarded to Meadows from Jordan on the evening of the 5th. It was, the, it was a brief encapsulation of a four-page legal argument that he had attached the original text was written by Washington attorney, former Department of Defense Inspector General, included an attachment of a four-page Word document drafted by him, detailed a legal uh, reason for suggesting Pence might have the constitutional authority to object, blah, blah, blah. Maybe you agree with that, maybe you don't. The piece that Schmitz had sent to Jordan was published at a website, everylegal.vote the next day, even included the same discussion draft heading and a timestamp. Um, and so Schmitz then texted to Jordan a three-paragraph summary, which Schiff sliced and diced, then attributed directly to Jordan, even though it was clear that Jordan was saying, hey, I got this from a legal thinker. It's pages long. Here's the key point. What do you think? So in case you're not following this, Schiff then carefully took a part of the legal argument that was written by somebody else, and everybody knows it. And Jordan said, take a look at this and let me know what you think. He attributed it to Jordan, and it made it seem as if Jordan was ordering Mike Pence. I'm sorry, ordering, um, uh, what's his face? There are too many people involved in this. The chief of Mark Meadows. Ordering Mark Meadows to order Mike Pence to do this, when that wasn't what he was doing at all. You lying and creep. A, and that was a talking point on your uh, Lefty Cable News channels for at least a day this week. Yeah, so Schiff not only erased several words, but then he added a period to make it seem like a simple declarative sentence when it was a long description of what was attached and, you know, maybe you should take a look at this. Just utter dishonesty right there at the Intelligence Committee hearing uh, by the chairman. Good Lord. And um, if I'm a Democrat, I don't like Schiff because he has taken, if I'm a Democrat, I would look at a pretty good hand. January 6th, Trump, the way he acts, all that sort of stuff. But you do this sort of stuff, and it gives everybody the cover to say, see, it's a bunch of crap, it's all a lie, you make this stuff up, you doctor mm-hmm. stuff. It reminds me so much of, of the whole uh, O.J. Simpson thing. The, the opinion by a lot of people was that the LAPD framed the guy who did it. 
I think it's a perfect example of all these, you know, it's like the Jesse Smollett fake racism. Every time you do something like that, you damage real racism. So every time Adam Schiff makes this crap up, you damage any real wrongdoing you could pin on Trump because you let everybody out with, a, you know, the permission structure, if you will, to say it's a bunch of crap. Well, and leaving Trump out of it entirely, if the Intelligence Committee were to come out with a report this afternoon, say that, uh, I don't know, China was doing X, Y, or Z, um, I would have a huge level of, yeah, maybe in my mind, because Adam Schiff was behind it. He is congenitally dishonest. Yep. Yep. I don't believe anything that comes out of his mouth. Oh, no. And he's the chair of the freaking Intelligence Committee. I don't think it's a bad point of view or a, a bad stance to just immediately assume that what he says is untrue, unless, uh-huh. you know, pro- unless proven otherwise. You lie! Yeah. Um, we mentioned this earlier. It's worth mentioning a lot. The Federal Reserve announced yesterday they're probably going to raise interest rates three times next year. So, like, if you're under the age of 40, you don't even remember the last time we had anything hardly above zero for interest rates, or you couldn't go out and just buy your house at 3.5% interest rate, those days may be over, and they may never come back in any of our lifetimes. Uh, something you have to do when you got inflation, don't you know, to try to cool things down and, and slow down the inflation. But that that's going to change the world in a bunch of different ways. It had to happen. It was inevitable. And the, the, the scary part of keeping in, uh, interest rates as low as they've been is, you get hit with a recession or something like that, and you got no tools in your toolbox to try to boost the economy. But well, um, well, right, yeah. The way they slow the overheated economy, like an engine that's running too hot, is they choke the oxygen out of it, and the oxygen is interest rates. As a guy who I'm not sure if I'm buying or selling a house uh, next year is a, a little concerned because this is going to change the whole home thing quite a bit. Yeah, that'll be the the most obvious. Well, no, for, for a lot of people, the most obvious effect is probably going to be on all of their payments. Um, but yeah, it'll depress home prices because you know people spend what they can afford month to month. So it's you know it's price divided by you know the number of payments divided by the interest rate. Blah blah blah. Rates go up, prices come down. Which is either good or bad, depending on which end of the deal you're on right now. Yeah, and and we could be about to find out how bubbly the housing growth has been. A lot um, is my guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, if it is a if it's a bubble, well, if it's not a bubble, somebody comes up and says, "Look, we just got to jab it with this pin a little bit. <laughs> it's okay." But if it is a bubble, I don't know if you've ever taken a pin to a bubble. The bubble doesn't like it. We'll, you we'll all find out together. You generally don't get to slowly let the air out of a bubble. They generally go like that. Indeed. I wish I could do that that well. That's very you good. You can't That's do very that? good popping noise. Not, not as well as you do, no. That's interesting. Last night, uh, Henry and I were laying in bed as I was reading to him, and I can't snap my fingers very well. Hmm. I can't snap my fingers very loud at all. Can you snap your fingers loud? Oh, yeah. Fairly. I mean... I mean, reasonably loud. Is that loud enough? I don't know. Oh, let me try the mouth pop thing. Here, you ready? It's going to be pathetic. That's it. Oh, that's, what? What was that? I know. That's no pop at all. Good. <laughs> Sad. Good God. You child. Oh, oh my God. God. It's like a gunshot. <laughs> <laughs> but right. Snapping my fingers is just pathetic. I couldn't be in a. I couldn't be in a backup singing group, really. And 
Well, I think that's you're not... using the wrong finger. Are you using the right finger? Yeah, you are. Okay. I use my middle finger. What finger do you... that's what That's what my son yeah, and I, I got into a discussion yeah. about what finger do you use? Because he uses his middle. third Gotta finger. Be middle. What? He uses his third finger, but snaps pretty well. I'm using my third right now. You can use your third. That's hard. Only show in America doing this, folks. <laughs> Probably right. Armstrong and Getty. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. Are you tired of gulping down the lying filth of the mainstream media? Yeah, we are, too. We try to tell you the truth every single day. Gulping down lying filth. Wow. Nobody wants to sound dumb. Our goal is to help you not sound dumb. We'll inform you, and it'll be fun at the same time. You have to choose between entertainment and information. Combine them both with the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Four episodes available every day via the iHeartRadio app or wherever you download your podcast. So I wanted to bring up a couple of economic stories. Dollars, the business of America is business. And, uh, boy, some studies are out. The American Psychiatric Association says many Americans nearing their second year working from home, uh, while this is allowed for more convenience, fewer commutes, blah, blah, blah. Teleworking has impacted the mental and physical health of many people. With many workers directing all their attention to a computer screen for many hours each day, they may feel drained emotionally and cognitively. Um, and, and the barrier between work life and home life has been erased for a lot of people. Uh, and now that people are working from home, they've been working from home for, you know, maybe a year or two. There's a loss of boundaries. Uh, people are checked out on autopilot. Uh, feelings of burnout, disengagement, depression, f- fatigue, uh, anxiousness. Problems with sleep, exercise, orthopedics, and eating, along with depression and anxiety. Other than that, everything's great. Blood clots, such as deep vein thrombosis, also known to occur when sitting for many many hours at a time without moving. Yeah, don't do that. That's bad for you anyway. Uh, So I thought that was was really interesting. Um, And then, in a related story, this is from uh, a business website. Uh, The Journal of Management is out with a research study that says bosses who respect zero off-hours email improve their employees' lives, performance, or uh, morale, and and uh, performance. Um, so the whole and and we do this on the show, and and you know I'll talk to the we should talk to the fellows about it. Well, you know I'll see audio late at night and text one of the guys say hey let's get this audio for tomorrow and and. If that's bothersome to people, I'll figure out somehow some way to save it up. But they say that really affects people getting hit with that uh, eight o'clock email from your boss. Huh. Of course, I don't know. What are you doing checking your work email at eight o'clock anyway? I wouldn't know I got an email from my boss. Maybe people have the alerts or something. Their their phone dings. Yeah, I wouldn't know if I got an email late at night either. I'd I'd see it the next morning when I check my email. Yeah, that may be but one of those te- examples we where we have a, a weird job. I, we get hundreds of emails, so I couldn't possibly do that. We do text like Hanson, Michael, Alex. We do text all hours of night and day just to just see if you're on your toes. <laughs> Is that <laughs> why you're doing it? <laughs> I have a life. Please leave me alone. I know I'm not on my toes, so I want to see if anybody else is on their toes. Somebody ought to be on their toes. <laughs> Oh, so I just thought that was interesting. And, uh, you know, the, the, the grand pronouncements, I'm, I'm just old enough now. I've observed enough cycles of politics and culture and, and, and uh, music and just you name it. Whenever something big happens and these columnists rush out with their grand pronouncements about how this has changed X forever. 
Why don't you give it a year? <laughs> Why don't you see how people are actually dealing with this? Maybe some things are different after a year than they are after a day. Let's not make grand pronouncements about the the, the office is now a thing of the past. Um, I think I I feel like a lot of the uh, being interrupted by text or emails from work and all that sort of stuff is on the receiver. I don't know. I. Unless there's a culture of, hey, I didn't hear from you for four hours after I emailed you. This is an important client. Because uh, yeah. I, I have a feeling that happens in some uh, Maybe lines, it does. lines of work. But I just, like, if I if I text or email somebody and they don't get back to me, I just assume they haven't sent. I don't know. I've never had the expectation that somebody is staring at their phone, awaiting some information from me all 24 hours a day. And they need to respond right away. But. Right. Well, and I hope the expectation among our crew is that, yeah, just, just, you don't even have to acknowledge it. Just no, tuck it away for, for tomorrow morning when you're actually yeah. at work. But well, I'll look into it. I don't want to be a, you know, any more annoying than I am. <laughs> at your workplace, is there an expectation that if you're bossed, bossed, bossed doesn't have a T. If you're boss, not in English, it doesn't. <laughs> if you're boss, I get your word straight, Jack. If your boss emailed or texted you that you see it, like, quickly, is there an expectation of that? Or can you get away with, no, I put my phone away when I got home. I saw it in the morning. Text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. Uh, Quick point of privilege. Quick point Um, of personal privilege. So many Americans believe yada, yada, yada. is Armstrong and Getty. The lunacy of this, this exercise. What do you call it? Uncomfortable clarity? Hey, man. All right, go, go. I'm ready. Here's Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. You know, it's it's funny. We were just talking uh, about... Um, about uh, bums and junkies and, and and how so many of the people on the streets these days are are drug addicts and and the it's a combination of um you know ill-advised quote-unquote compassion and the homeless industrial complex which seeks to remove all of the repercussions of behaviors that are going to end up on the you're going to end up on the street if you do this stuff Mentioned that I, speaking for myself, Joe Getty, don't come at it from a high-handed point of view. I understand. I've I've long had impulses to do stuff I shouldn't do. All right? I'm a sinner like everybody. And the negative repercussions that would have followed have had a significant effect in me making better choices. Okay? And and I had somebody, I was wearing an Armstrong and Getty Stupid Should Hurt t-shirt the other day. I almost never wear our own swag because I don't want people looking at me. Um, although uh, it is incredibly popular, and if you have an A&G fan in your life, go to armstrongandgetty.com. We have some really cool stuff. Helps keep the guys on the payroll during, during these crazy economic times. Anyway, uh, Stupid Should Hurt has been one of the slogans of the show since the beginning. Long and short of it, because this, this gal asked, what does that mean? If you design a society that doesn't have negative repercussions for bad decisions, you're going to get more bad decisions. And if you don't have a society that rewards good decisions or ambition or innovation or hard work, you're going to have less of that. That's the long story short, which leads us into... I get why it's tough, too, from the soft lefty angle of you don't want 
people's lives to be ruined or over or many doors closed for a bad decision. Oh, sure. But, yeah, I get that. as you just pointed out, if you eliminate that, you, know, you see what happens. We got an email the other day. We're about to talk about crime and the lack of repercussions for crime. And, oh, my gosh, this is astonishing. We're getting way more of it. Uh, somebody uh, wrote us an email, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com, that said, hey, first offense, grant them the, the, the no bail or the bail reform or whatever. But by the time they get to the second or maybe the third offense, that goes away. Wow, how, how obvious is that? But that's I not know. what they're doing. An eight-year-old child could come up with that. It's perfectly sensible and perfectly just. But no, that's not what they're, they're doing. Like the 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 horrific, vicious, soulless, heartless predator who killed those two those poor people in Wisconsin at the Christmas parade. Great example. You know, fifteen times offender tried to run a woman over, and he was on the streets. Horrible crime since he, I think he was eleven years old. Um, not as bad of crimes. There's the, the record holder. I've got it in my uh, my notes somewhere. I'll have to dig it up. The new record holder in New York, and I think it was something like 70 times this person had been arrested for a variety of crimes. And because of the whole weird no bail thing, you know, you get caught stealing from a place and you're out later that afternoon and you get caught two days later. Yeah, there's the answer right there. One time we'll give you the whole you don't have to post bail after that. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, California leading the way is uh, Governor Newsom frequently likes to remind America leaving leading the way into a hellhole in this case. Uh, living you know, like, in a hellhole. Great spinal tap song. <laughs> Surprised they weren't in that top 10 artists of all time. Anyway, uh so uh a couple of stories about that sort of thing. Number 1, and I alluded to this yesterday, but I got the timetable wrong. Jenna Smith was in Chicago last month. She lives in San Francisco, the Mission District, if you know San Francisco. And she got an alert. Uh, she's watching home security footage on uh, his, uh, her boyfriend. I'm sorry. I was looking at home security footage on his phone. He noticed, uh, wait a minute, there's somebody in my garage. Oh, my God, right now there's somebody in the garage. Somebody had broken into the garage of their apartment building. He watches as a burglar uh, uh, grabs a suitcase, loads it up, and leaves full of it. Well, he'd be back. The man or somebody who resembled him broke in nine times in two days. Wow. Occasionally with a lime, riding one of those lime scooters went to, with a female accomplice. And every time they called the cops and every time the cops got there after the people had left. Finally, this guy out of frustration flies home to San Francisco from Chicago, goes straight to the police station where they said, no, you have to file a report from your home. So he's like, all right, for God's sake. So the next morning, he finally r- r- files a report from home. Nine break-ins in two days. Welcome to San Francisco. This is unintentionally hilarious. Oakland, California officials said Monday they want to grow the city's police force in an effort to confront rising tides of violent crime that's gripped the city this year. These are the same folks who are howling defund the police and actually cut a budget. I can't remember. I don't have the figure in front of me last year. Um, but now they're rushing to add more cops and put them out on the streets. And Boy, who saw that coming? They just think, they, oh, they everyone, can't. everyone saw that coming. Yeah, exactly. Anybody with any common sense. Libby Schaff, the communist mayor, said the rise in violent crime is the result of a perfect storm of circumstances, including attrition, human nature, the human nature and human nature, a faulty bail system and the pandemic's effects on families and the criminal justice system. Yeah, well, if you mean that scumbags are staying on the street, you're right. So Oakland can't wait to refund the police as fast as they can 
And then I wanted to touch just briefly on uh, this Jason Whitlock piece he wrote, why the horrific Waukesha massacre murderer, whose name I will not mention, why the story must be politicized. And he's responding to the Wisconsin senators, Tammy Baldwin and Ron Johnson, who released a joint statement asking outside groups to stop exploiting the Waukesha massacre for political purposes. And 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 Whitlock responds that it's as pointless as asking you know John Dillinger to stop using his his pistol. The style of gun didn't make Dillinger an unrepentant criminal. His immorality did. America's fight for political power has descended into a seemingly unprecedented level of immorality. Ambitious politicians quickly turned human tragedy into political capital. Uh, and 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 he makes the point that. The Baldwin-Johnson statement is not only pointless, it's clueless. It epitomizes the kind of cowardly leadership pervasive in American politics. The statement is a virtue signal that pretends diplomacy is an antidote for wickedness, that peace is possible with people who have no regard for objective truth. Why should Waukesha be exempt from the political examination lens applied to everything else? That's exactly what we should be doing. Failing to publicly explore and explain what drove Brooks to commit mass murder would only allow the evil to further metastasize. Uh, we need to scrutinize the whole thing and how it happened carefully. And every aspect of that is politics. Yeah. It's public policy. Um, uh, yeah, it bothers me when people say you shouldn't politicize that or they're politicizing or whatever. You ought to politicize the idea that we now have a system where a guy could commit those kind of crimes his whole life and still be out on the street and able to. I don't see it as a negative to bring that up as a political angle of we need to change the laws so that that can't happen again. Got this uh, tweet here from somebody, but Tim Sandifer retweeted it. There are children still in critical condition from the Waukesha attack after six people were already murdered and the media are just done. No investigation into his background, no search for a motive, no panel segments speculating on his racist views. They're just done. Unlike, yeah. you know, for instance, Rittenhouse, where you go on for weeks and weeks about speculating about his uh, his uh, various racist views. Well, or yeah, out and out stating that he's a white supremacist, uh, supremacist in the absence of any evidence. And a lot of people picked up on this because this was a came from a number of sources. This is CNN's tweet about the story. Uh, over the weekend, Waukesha will hold a moment of silence today, marking one week since a car drove through a city Christmas parade, killing six people and injuring scores of others. Oh, oh a car drove through, you say. Byron York of the Washington Examiner replied, the killer SUV. Serious question. Why the reluctance to state clearly that a man killed six in- six and injured more than 60 and used his car as a weapon? A car. It's a. Uh, Marking that is a week. Bizarre. It is marking a week since a car drove through a city Christmas parade. Somebody else retweeted, "Boy, these autonomous vehicles are getting really good." Wow, that's dryly, oh. sickeningly kind of amusing. What? Yeah. What? 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 What is the motivation for that? Trying to take human decision out of it. And acting like it it's not a career criminal that let the world know over and over again since he was a child, not that I'm for locking up children forever, but been letting the world know who he is right. his whole life. And the society just kept saying, eh, we'll give you another shot. And now, when after he kills a whole bunch of people, you refer to the car like it was the car's decision? Right. 
Well, you know, it reminds me in a weird way of the Russian collusion hoax or the uh, quashing the Hunter Biden laptop story. The, you know, the forces of the left and the left media have spent so much time on Trump was a Russian agent that they can't confront the wrongness of that story without admitting their complicity in it. They can't admit fully that the Hunter Biden laptop thing was uh, was an in, not only a an appropriate story and a uh, an accurate story but an incredibly important story they can't fully admit that or they have to admit their own complicity in quashing that and in the same way they've invested so much time in these utopian and yes George Soros does fund a lot of these DAs in their election campaigns this utopian far left view of the criminal justice system they have flogged that so much if they were to admit that this guy is the absolutely predictable product of their policies well, they would have to admit that they have been pitching a disaster to us, and they would never be that courageous. This guy, over 22 years, had wreaked havoc across three states as he racked up convictions. How many times did he do this sort of stuff and never got caught? Convictions for abusing his partners, raping and impregnating a teenager, and a consistent streak of other violent crimes throughout decades. Right. Was still out to do his thing. Right. And then he gets arrested for trying to run a woman over and actually hit her with the car and beat her. $1,000 bailed back on the streets. And then the headline is, a car drove through a parade. Yeah. Weird, man. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Joe Getty. Point of personal privilege. Don't get brazen with me. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Wikipedia, which uh, many people criticize, but I think we all use at least semi-regularly. Maybe you think they're way too far left, and they are, but that doesn't mean if I want a track order for the Abbey Road album, I won't go to Wikipedia. I find them to be pretty damn accurate. Mostly, yeah. Yeah. Um, and when they are flawed, they are flawed uh, in a leftward direction, mostly because, you know, it's if, if you want to look at Marines and cops and construction workers and lobster fishermen, you're going to find a hell of a lot of conservatives. Well, I would say the more contentious the topic, the more accurate it is. Like, uh, I, I was on the abortion page. I feel like that the people on the right side of that issue, politically, I also think correctly, but... um. Uh, people on the right side of the issue have done a good enough job of fighting the battle there in that space because that's the way it works in mm-hmm. Wikipedia. A battle is fought, um, and, uh, and I thought that I I read through that whole thing. I thought, man, this is amazingly even-handed. Well, listen to this, ass, would you? The website they say is set was considering deleting the the page on mass murders under communist regimes around the world. A deletion note has been added to the page titled Mass Killings Under Communist Regimes, which informs us that the over 12,000-word page is under consideration for deletion. The Wikipedia moderators claim that the neutrality of this article is disputed, and the verifiability of the claims is also being disputed. Boy, I wonder by whom. The article lists several instances of genocides by communists, including the Red Terror in Russia by the Bolsheviks at the start of the Russian Civil War, mass murders by Stalin, Mao Zedong, Pol Pot in Cambodia, using various policies and other similar well-known instances in communist regimes in East Germany, Yugoslavia, North Korea, Vietnam, Afghanistan, Ethiopia, etc. So this is just the influence of China, then? Uh, to a large extent, yes. And and uh, communists, Marxists in the Western world, too. 
Uh, the extensive article also lists various terminologies used in mass killings and discusses whether deaths caused by famines under economy and its rules can be labeled as mass murder, uh, etc. However, the left-leaning editors and moderators are now not happy with such a specific article on mass murders by communist regimes and decided to delete it. They claim, and I quote that, mass killings under communist regimes is not a legitimate subject for an encyclopedic article, and it is a synthesis. Many of them also claim that deaths due to famine can't be called mass murders, even though the famines were caused by the policies mm. of the communist rulers. Interesting. They claim that the relation between mass murders and the communist regimes where they happened is synthesized, whatever that means. Um, those advocating for the deletion further claim that the incidents of mass murders are separate, not linked to each other, and don't really have to do specifically with communism. It was bad leadership. It was not a symptom of communism that all those people died. Uh, a couple more articles. Um, I also think, like, I don't know enough about this to actually comment, but as a talk show host, it's uh, it required that I do comment whether I know what I'm talking about or not. I don't know if, if Wikipedia actively is slanting things, or I think this makes perfect sense. Um, the left just tends to be more motivated to to fight in these kind of spaces they're more into twisting language yeah there are there are more you know graduate degrees in various areas that would be willing to spend an afternoon on any wikipedia topic and fight the battle than there are people on the right i think that's pretty obvious yeah yeah well larry sanger was the co-founder of wikipedia with uh what's his face jimmy wales uh, left Wikipedia over differences with Wales over how to run the website and has since become a staunch critic of it for its left-leaning bias. Huh. He also said that Wikipedia has become a huge moral hazard, saying that it has turned into a monocultural establishment organ of propaganda. I'd sure like to see some of, or hear some of his examples of that. Because I use Wikipedia a lot, and I don't, and I think I have a pretty good uh, eye for this sort of thing, and I don't feel like I come across it regularly. Yeah. Of course, I look up a lot of stuff that's like you were talking about. You know, who wrote what song and stuff like that. Not going to be a lot of bias in. Yeah. 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 The population of Poland. Yeah. I think I could probably trust that. Yeah. Roughly. Right. Right. Yeah. So anyway, Wikipedia, don't you dare. Mass killings under communist regimes. They're killings. If you starve somebody to death, you kill them. End of discussion. You guys delete that. I'm taking up arms against Wikipedia. Speaking of shoot uh, my laptop, looking up tracks for albums to see which song came in what order and who wrote what. Uh, I feel like I had more people mention to me the Beatles documentary, the Peter Jackson Let It Be documentary that came out. Uh, is that what it's called? Uh, yeah, Let It Be. Um, then I don't remember the last time. I had this many people mention a show. It got a lot of mind share, as they say. Episode one of three that debuted over the weekend on Disney. Is that where I was watching it? Watch it with my son. My son I think is that's right. Disney Plus. My, yep. You watched it too, Michael. Yeah, I did. Your girlfriend. You watched it. Alex watched it. I watched it with my son. I mean, that's the sort of cross section of that you just don't get that much anymore. Of uh, of watching stuff. My son's a big Beatles. He did a paper on the Beatles when he was in, like third grade. So he is fascinated by getting into it. Hmm. It doesn't matter. I mean, you talk about uh, a history that doesn't matter. 
The history of the Beatles does not matter. Oh, it ushered in the cultural revolution of the free-spirited 60s hippie flower children drug sex thing, blah, 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 blah. But if I might bore you for a minute, having taken a rock and roll class in college. Oh, boy. In which he spent half of the freaking thing on the Beatles. Oh, boy. Because he was, you know, 18 in 1967, so it was the most important thing that happened in his life. Um... I had been told over and over and over that they hated each other. They all hated each other so much they couldn't even look at each other. And they're having the time of their lives recording that album. Right. They're having a great time. The work was great. It was everything else that sucked. It's all the business and the lawyers and the crap. But they clearly weren't even close to they couldn't be in the same room together. Oh, yeah. You know, on that topic, at the risk of boring people, um, I was reading an article, uh, I think it was just Art Garfunkel talking about Simon Garfunkel speaking of baby boomer rock. And, and he said, all, all these articles that have been written about the conflicts between me and Paul, we've been best friends for 50 years, for 60 years. That's a tiny part of the relationship. We worked together like crazy for years and years and years, had this incredible output. Then we decided to do different things. The conflict isn't the headline. And then, but that's journalism. Yeah, and I actually was thinking about it and extrapolating it to things that do matter. I wonder how many historical things that I see or the most of the world sees a certain way are just completely wrong. Just completely wrong from what it was like in the room at the time. Yeah, well, probably a lot. Probably a lot of (laughs) them. Probably virtually everything. Yeah. 